Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Weekly Preview Show, Week 10 edition. I'm your host, Alan Bell, and we have a fantastic show lined up for you today. As always, before we look ahead, let's take a look back at how we did last week. Our man, Fornelli, coming through 3-2. and two. Should have been 4-5. That cow was brutal, man. A tough beat on that one. We had some, some tough ones, some good ones. At Wake Forest, man, I don't know what happened. I'm interested to talk about that game. And then Pitt UNC over. That one was a blast to talk about there so let's bring in the stars of the show get this thing going i love it gentlemen how we do it chip patterson good to see you as always my man great to be with you great to uh break down another big slate i'm not coming with as many warning signs for trap week is it's actually more of a like a hazardous like you need to put up the sign on the floor where it's slippery when wet because something has been spilled there's some some truly disgusting, depraved matchups on the slate. So if you want to jump into it, that is fantastic. I don't kink shame here. I'm just letting you know, this isn't trap week. This is just like a, a total disgusting, like NC-17 kind of week. Nice. I was going to say, I wish I had a graphic ready like that, you know, slap like a biohazard sticker just right on. <laughs> like that's what this week is. Tom Fernelli, how we doing, sir? Uh, I am excited because while it's not a trap week, as I was talking about in the pre-show, it is fraud month. Because fraud now, you know, the college football playoff rankings are out. And maybe, you know, we got some teams that are ranked only because they haven't played other teams that are ranked just yet. Now they're getting to the real part of the schedule. So we're going to find out who's real and who isn't. Yeah, you do. You're definitely right. And you know what? Like, I mean, as crazy as this year has been. Like, in terms of the games, in terms of the rankings, of how much movement we've seen, like, what we saw last night was cool. Probably absolutely means nothing to anything in regards. Yeah, like, what we saw last night could be completely different than what we see at the end of the year. Now, we started a couple of minutes late. I apologize for that. That one is on me. I think our man said it best here. AB must be stuck at that Chick-fil-A drive through You know what? You're absolutely right. We're going to get some Chick-fil-A on the way home. All right, my man, Fetch Show. How we doing, sir? What you see from the sports line models last week? What you're seeing this week? Just give us some trends, man. What do you got? We're doing good. You know, it's kind of rough when you have both Wake Forest and Oklahoma State in the model. Now, that was a little rough, but we went 11-6 to 6 on props last week, and I'm going to hit you up with some props today. I like it, man. Now, as a show, you guys sit uh, 48.6%. We were 49% last week. I mean, not much of a difference here. However, we are in final drive here right, to get it going and get everything fired up. But before we have the picks to do that, Chip, were you about to say something? Uh, uh, oh, see, you know what? Then it's on me. I'm already guessing wrong. All right, before we do all of that, let's get to the storylines and effective betting lines for this week. And, Fernelli, I'm going to start with you. What we were just talking about, college football playoff, do not let it fool you. Break it down, man, what you got? Yeah, a little bit playing into the fraud month kind of line <laughs> of thinking here. Like, if you look at the rankings, as you mentioned, they – at this point in the year, they don't mean anything. Now, our, our Cover 3 co-host, Bud Elliott, thinks that the rankings are nothing more than a TV show and that they're just putting teams in spots to garner interest and debate, which might be true. I just think it's mostly, you know, kind of putting pieces in place to fit what you want to begin with or whatever narrative it is that you're looking for. So we're not that far along. I just don't think it's a giant conspiracy like Bud seems to do. But... I do wonder, and it is something to pay attention to, how those rankings can affect lines and perceptions of teams. Because like, if you look at them, like LSU is now number 10. 
wasn't number 10 in either of the major polls, hasn't been considered one of the top 10 teams in the country all season long. But now that the college football playoff has deemed the LSU Tigers a top 10 team, how will that impact them as far as the market ahead of a game against Alabama? Are they going to be overvalued? Are they going to be undervalued? And you can look at the same with USC, a team that is ranked at number nine, despite not having nearly the same kind of resume or performance of a few of the teams that are ranked below it in the rankings. So are the Trojans going to be possibly overvalued by the market because of that single digit number next to their game? So that's the one interesting thing going into this weekend for me is how are people going to respond to these rankings? Are they going to take them too seriously or are they just going to not take them seriously at all? So you bring up a really good point and it's a perfect transition into chip and what he, his storyline for this week is, is, you know, teams in regards to the college football playoff committee, are they going to be trying to impress them in terms of games, points, et cetera, chip, break it down, man. Cause I think it's a perfect, uh, you know, follow up to what Fornelli just broke down. Yeah, style points exist. This is an imperfect system. And a lot of the discussion that goes on in that room as they are going around the room or voting line by line by line by line is somebody who digs their heels in is like, well, I don't know. I watched them. I think they're better. Like, they, like really, decisions about who will play for the national championship in a way are lying with some people who are digging their heels in, in a committee room and saying, I don't know. I watched the game with my eyes. I think they're better. There's two members of the college football hall of fame that are on this selection committee. There are two other uh, former either players or coaches who are related to the game. They are going to believe more in their own opinion than they are on any information that is presented before them. And so since style points do matter, TCU, you got to whoop, you got to whoop some tail you got texas tech coming to town you've got some big games down the line this week in particular is one of your best opportunities to put a number on the board oregon you are going on the road in a game that you should absolutely thump colorado so do it don't have that kind of letdown that would give the committee any reason for you to think that for them to think you are anything other than one of the best one loss teams in the country same can be said for ucla the same can be said for usc I am looking at the committee's rankings mostly now thinking about what those teams that are on the outside with opportunities to run the score up, are they going to be able to do it? Will they want to do it, especially knowing that style points do matter? Yeah, that's a great point, man. And, you know, the only thing that I take away from the college football plan, and it it might not even be correct, that, you know, kind of like it feels like that it has weight of kind of where you started, right, and how you finish out through the year. But then again, they're human beings, and I feel like it changes, Every single year, too, like of what they are looking at, what they waver. So both you and Tom and I agree completely with exactly what you're saying. Also, don't watch the show on TV like you can avoid some of the narrative if you just watch CBS Sports HQ and then the Cover 3 podcast live instant reaction show. The teams are still stacked up one through 25 the same. You just get it without the prepackaged narrative that's uh, force-fed to you. So I'm just giving you other viewing options. <laughs> CBS Sports HQ has wall-to-wall coverage starting at 7 o'clock, and the Cover 3 podcast goes live about 7.20, 7.25. I mean, the numbers are going to be the same, and you can avoid dealing with the uh, the dramatic music and everything else. <laughs> you know what? I think that's an excellent plan, and everybody should follow that, myself included. All right, let's get into our best bets for this week, okay? Now. Uh, let's take a look here. All right, we're going to start here, Chip, with you. We've got Cincinnati and Navy. All right, you got to play on this one, man. On the total, break it out. We got, yeah, Cincinnati had its 17 game winning streak in conference play snapped last season, last season, last week by UCF. And so, Luke Fickle's going to get back to bread and butter. That's this. That's going to be a team that is winning with defense. And the other thing that I think Luke Fickle is going to do is he's not going to try to put the ball in his quarterback's hands. Quarterback Ben Bryant has been subpar. He has been not very impressive. He's not as much of a liability as some of the poor quarterbacks that we see across the board, but it's not exactly, you know, wowing anybody or, or really helping your offense out, especially when you need it. So I think Cincinnati's going to go with a heavy dose of leaning on their defense, leaning on the run game, a lot of risk averse play. And then on the Navy side of things, it's an under. I mean, there's a service academy on the board. I'm sure that my colleague Tom Fernelli will turn our attention to it. I, I hope he does. Um, but I think that this is a, a game that is extremely low scoring. Clock continues to move. 
Not a whole lot of passes between these two teams. Again, at Cincinnati, a team that just took its first loss in a long time in conference play, now has a Navy team that it can win in order to get right, and I think it gets right with defense and running the football. So I'll say this. You brought up an interesting point here. As soon as I saw that we had a service academy versus service academy, I knew the holiday season is here, the Tom Fernelli holiday season. So I'll tell you what. We're going to start with that one right there, Tom. Uh, Army, Air Force. You know what? I'm going to let the uh, everybody in the audience take a guess at where you're going with it, man. What do you got? Oh, let's build the suspense. What could I possibly be doing when two service academies are playing? I'm taking the under. Of course, I'm taking the under. They don't, they don't call them service academy overs. We call them service academy unders. Here's the spiel. I know you want to hear it. Since 2005, when service academies play, the under is now 42-9-1. and 42-9-1. And, and it is not difficult to figure out. Service academies all run option offenses. Option offenses run the ball at least 80% of the time. Although Air Force among them is the more pass happy, which makes sense. It is the Air Force. But again, they still run the ball mostly all the time. And when you run the ball... The clock never stops. And when the clock never stops, you get fewer possessions in a game. And when you have fewer possessions in a game, you have fewer points scored. So really, the only way these games go over is if both teams play damn near a perfect game on offense. And they usually don't play a nearly perfect game on offense because (laughs) what they do is difficult for other teams to defend because you don't see a lot of option offenses. But option offenses are all any of these teams see in practice every single day of the year as they're getting ready for their game. So it's hard for them to find too much success against them. So as long as there's not a bunch of turnovers or giant big plays, the under is going to win every single time or at least 86% of the time. (laughs) I love it. All right, one more time. Give me that stat one more time. 42 Nine and one since 2005. And they keep lowering the total and it doesn't matter. That's incredible when service academies play against each other. It's incredible. And it's incredible that the number was set with a four in front of it. Like mm-hmm. I, That's I, Air I Force. Just, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that's because Air Force like is a very explosive offense. That's, yeah. That is the influence of Air Force that is having this. When we get Army-Navy later in the season. <laughs> well, I think we, 33. I was going to say we might have to bite our lip on a 34 and a half on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible, man. All right. Fat show coming over to you, buddy. Uh, so you're looking at we got Ohio State at Northwestern. All right, you're looking at Ohio State, a team total. What do you got? Yeah, I told myself after watching Northwestern Iowa, no matter what, Levante Mac, no matter what, no matter what Ohio State's team totals at, I'm taking the over. An Iowa team putting up 33 on Northwestern is equivalent to a random, like a regular team putting up 100 points. The weather is going to be a little bad. It's going to be windy and rainy. I think Ohio State should do whatever they want. This is a game that C.J. Stroud should do whatever he wants. And the, the Heisman's getting close. Hendon Hooker is in the favorite in some books. And C.J. Stroud needs to put up some numbers if he wants to win the Heisman. So I like Ohio State to put up a ton of points this weekend. There we go, my man. There we go. All right, Chip, coming back at you, brother. Uh, let's see. Michigan State, you got a team total play on this one. What do you got? So this is looking at the other side of the ball from where Michigan State has had a rampant number of suspensions. Eight players suspended, all on the defensive side of the ball, many of them starters, some of them the most important defensive players that Michigan State has. That would lead you to believe that Illinois is going to be able to move the ball, that Illinois is going to be able to cover. 16 and a half is a big number for a team that is in the unusual position of starting the month of November in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West and a chance to play for a Big Ten championship. So I think Illinois wins. I think that with all those uh, defensive issues, I don't want to go with the total game under because it's possible Illinois gets loose. But I do think that this Michigan State team is, if it's not on quit watch, it's at least on like bottoming out watch like this. It is at least on the uh, everyone's going to already start making other plans for the holidays kind of watch. It is a team that is going to be very challenged in so many ways. And I think that, you know, coming out of everything that happened last weekend, Michigan state is going to find it is going to find it difficult to move the ball effectively on this Illinois defense, which is one of the best in the country. I I didn't want to lay the 16 and a half, Going uh, under the whole total 
ignores what Chase Brown and Tommy DeVito might be able to do to this depleted Spartans team. So what is the thing I feel the most confident in? It is that Michigan State will be held in check by Illinois. I will go team total under 13 and a half. There we go, man. There we go. All right, Fernelli, coming back at you, buddy. Uh, we've got Oregon State and Washington. You got to play on that total, man. Break it down. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys, you know, are as familiar with meteorological terms as I am, but <laughs> ever heard of an atmospheric river? Yes. You have. Okay, well, good. Because then you know that atmospheric river literally translate to sky river. That means there is a river in the sky. It is going to be pouring <laughs> rain for this game. There are, it's called again, the atmospheric river, as well as wind gusts of up to 40 miles per hour. Now, if it is raining a river, which I think I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was something about a foot of rain could drop in an hour Jeez. with that kind of rain and 40 mile per hour winds. Do you think either one of these teams is going to be able to score a lot of points in those kind of conditions? Like it doesn't really you're basically playing in the Pacific Northwest version of a hurricane. I do not see very many points being scored in this game on Friday night. So I want to get it in as early as possible because the total was at over 56 like yesterday. And now that the atmospheric river news is starting to spread, the total has been dropping ever since. So you should probably hurry up and get it before you can, because by the time this game kicks off, it might be into 40s. So, yeah. It's going to be windy in Seattle. An atmospheric <laughs> river. The river in the sky keeps on dumping. Nice. And go. the unders keep on winning. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. All right. So and this is my fault. Uh, somebody in the chat brought this up to, to say the number. This is my uh, apologies on that. So, Chip, Michigan State team total under 13 and a half, mm -hmm. correct? And Fornelli, Oregon State, Washington, under 55, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, perfect. I want to get that right now. Chip, that was not to interrupt your singing because we need that in every show. Quite frankly, I need it in every segment or after every pick. It's that good. That good. All right, Fed Show, coming up to you. Duke got a team total. They're at Boston College over 28 and a half. What do you got? So Duke has scored around 40 points in the ACC play this season. They've averaged around 40 points. Boston College is giving up over 30 points per game in ACC play. Duke's team total is at 28 and a half. And I really like the over there. We have it coming in the model at around 33 and a half. And the big thing is, if you watch Duke versus Miami, they scored all their points off turnovers. They uh, Miami committed eight turnovers that game. Duke put up 45 points. Boston College is one of the worst teams in terms of taking care of the ball. They're ranked 117th in the country in turnover margin. Duke is second in the country in turnover margin. I think they could get some defensive touchdowns here, which will help the over 28 and a half. I think they could do it themselves on offense with their running game as well. Now, I'll say this. All right. First off, well done there. Second, I should have gone straight to you on this one. Let's go back to that Air Force uh, Army game. You have a team total play on that one. Air Force team total under 23 and a half. Break that one down. Yeah, I wanted to give Tom all the shine on the full game under, but I like Air Force team total under 23 and a half as well. Air Force has scored 23 or less in seven of the last eight games against Army. They were going to run the ball the whole game. Air Force's offense has been somewhat explosive at times this season, but Boise State held them to just 14 points in their last game. I think Army could hold them to well under 23 this game. Give me the under there. Go there. We go. All right, Chip, coming back at you, man. Pitt minus three and a half. Break it down, buddy. What do you think? Mm. I Pitt's a Pitt's a tough team to be backing right now. But what do we know about Syracuse? Syracuse is a team that, as Notre Dame proved, uh, you can push around just a little bit. Uh, Syracuse has taken some injuries on the defensive side of the ball that I think are, are pretty significant. And so I, I look at the Panthers, and look, this is a Syracuse that is in the college football playoff rankings. They are on the road at this Pitt team that just blew a second-half lead to North Carolina, and they are the underdogs by three-and-a-half points. You know, the injuries piling up for Syracuse, the fact that the one thing that Syracuse seems to have a weakness at is a strength for Pitt. I'm back in Izzy Abanaconda. You know, hey, Izzy Abanaconda was one of the reasons we liked over 64-and-a-half in North Carolina Pitt to begin with. So um, we are back in him and that ground game again to be successful and pit to cover this short number. Nice, man. Nice. Izzy Abiaconda. That dude. <laughs> yeah, Izzy Abiaconda. 
I love it. Yeah, dude. It just flows. It's perfect, man. Is he your job in a conda? That's the question everybody's asking. Everybody's asking, dude. Everybody. Now, for Nelly, another question that everybody's asking. All right. Michigan on the road at Rutgers. You're taking the Wolverines minus 26 and a half. Break that one down. Yeah, I know this could be kind of scary because if you look at the last two years, Michigan's beaten Rutgers, but they've both been close games. And you think of what Michigan and Rutgers are, and they probably shouldn't be close. But kind of going along the lines of what you were talking about earlier, show with or Chip, with like style points mattering. If we looked at the college football playoff rankings that came out yesterday, I don't think Clemson should be four. I don't think Michigan should be five. I think TCU should be ranked ahead of them if the committee's sticking to its own talking points about what it bases its rankings on. But regardless, Clemson's at four, Michigan's at five, which if I'm Michigan tells me that my win over Penn State, a 24-point win is not good enough compared to Clemson's win over Syracuse, NC State, and Wake. So clearly me blowing out one good team isn't enough. The rest of my schedule is kind of weak. And frankly, I'm wondering if Michigan is regretting like in the Iowa game, they won 27 to 14. They probably could have scored a lot more in that game and won by more and made it look better, but they just took their foot off the gas. Indiana, they won 31 to 10. They had struggled in the first half when their, you know, Mike Hart had a seizure on the sideline, kind of threw them off and they pulled away in the second half, but that was a game they could have won by more. So I'm wondering if going into this weekend, Michigan's going to say, listen, it's Rutgers. Beating Rutgers isn't going to do anything to our resume, but if we beat them by five or ten, it's certainly not going to help our case. We need to blow them out. So when I look at the matchup, I think Michigan is the far better team, and when I look at the motivation to win by a lot of points, I think Michigan has all the reason to do it in the world. So I think the spread is a little too small. I do not see the Wolverines slowing down in the third or fourth quarter. I see them playing all 60 minutes, trying to score as many points as they possibly can. So lay them with Michigan. Man, that's an excellent, excellent point. And you nailed it. The two teams that have the most motivation. Yeah, Michigan, TCU. Excellent point, man. Well done there. All right, Fed Show, coming over to you, man. We got North Carolina at Virginia. You're taking the Tar Heels minus seven and a half. What do you see? This line actually moved from minus nine and a half to minus seven and a half. I I like it a lot. Either way, I think UNC should win this game easily. Virginia is a total mess. They lost in, what, four overtimes to Miami, even though they put up just 14 points. And... UNC should should honestly sorry my ducks over here. Uh, UNC should do whatever they want against Virginia. Virginia is not good on either side of the ball. They have UNC has a huge quarterback advantage, huge talent advantage. The weather could be a factor here as well. I really like UNC to win big. And Virginia has won the last two games in this series. But when UNC has won, they've won by double digits almost every time. They've won seven of the last eight of UNC's wins in the series is by, are by double digits. There we go. It's kind of like a uh, browns Bengals situation we have going on here. All right. Our last pick for this segment here, for Nelly, coming to you. We've got Boise State taking on BYU. you got Boise State minus 7.5. What do you say? Yeah, market hasn't caught on yet. Uh, Boise State, for the first few weeks of the season, was not a very good football team. They've benched their quarterback. They hire a new offensive coordinator. Taylor Green comes in. Dirk Cutter comes in to start calling plays. And the Broncos have been an offensive juggernaut ever since. Taylor Green is not refined as a passer just yet, but he's an excellent athlete who makes things happen with his legs when the play doesn't break down. And he's still good enough with his arm to at least be effective in the passing game and force defenses to respect that, which makes them really difficult to stop. But if you're BYU, every offense is difficult to stop. If you've seen how the Cougars have played lately, that defense is atrocious. And I just do not think the Cougars will be able to contain what Boise does offensively. I think on the defensive side of the ball, the Broncos match up very well with BYU and can slow them down and give them a whole lot of problems. Boise State's defense is one of the better defenses in the country. So I see this line at seven and a half, and I think that is way too small. I would probably have it closer to 10 or 11. All right, that's good information right there. All right, let's get into our big six game. Look at that. Put that back up, Fat. Nice, dude. That's right. Yeah. Bronco country, the, that's right. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's from the Zabransky era, bro. Yeah. They were doing big things. I love it, man. That hat is awesome. All right, let's get into our big six games for today. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we are back. All right, so our first game we're going to break down today. We got 21st uh, ranked Wake Forest, a four and a half point favorite on the road at 22nd ranked NC State. Total of 54 on this game. All right, we have one official play on it. Micah Roberts, who couldn't join us today, had a bit of an emergency before the show. Uh, he is on Wake Forest, minus four and a half. Uh, Fetter, I'll throw it over to you. You got to lean Wake Forest four and a half as well. You know, I was on Wake Forest last week. That didn't turn out too well. Louisville absolutely destroyed them. But I do think they bounced back this week. Our model has them winning by seven. I just think Wake Forest, I trust Sam Hartman a lot more than I trust Jack Chambers in this game. I mean, Virginia Tech put up 21 points in the second half against uh, against uh, NC State last week. I think Sam Hartman can move the ball against them, even though their defense is pretty good. I, I definitely lean Wake here. All right. Now, throwing over to you, Chip. Uh, Aline, not an official pick, but you lean NC State plus four and a half. What do you say? Yeah, they, uh, they turned the quarterbacking duties over to freshman MJ Morris. Morris got into the game, had three touchdowns in the second half to lead the Wolfpack back in a comeback. He's a freshman. He's got a, a good arm. He's definitely the future. And I think that transitioning away from the graduate transfer from Charleston Southern and more to the player who had been recruited to come in there sort of added a little bit of jolt to this whole offense. I think that when we look back at last year's game, it was very much a back and forth affair. And, you know, if they, if NC State is willing to let it loose with their freshman quarterback like they were when their back was against the wall, and I think they're going to have to go and blow for blow with Sam Hartman, then I think that this one could be much a shootout like last year. So I'm taking the points. Now, historically, in this rivalry, it's Wake on the road, NC State at home. Now, Wake has Sam Hartman, NC State has its true freshman that it just threw into the fire. So, yeah, I'm not going to take NC State on the money line, but I do think this game could be close enough to uh, to take the four and a hook. So a lean, a hunch. I think that uh, the Wolfpack will be able to score too. Yeah, I did. I did forget that MJ Morris took over last week. I was watching that game. I have to make sure it's right in the database. But thanks for pointing that out. Nice. There we go. Now speaking of points, Chip. All right. So Farnelli, throw it over to you. Not an official pick, a lean, but you do like the points in this game. You like the over fifty-four. What do you think? Yeah, I just think that, I mean, first of all, I'm not trusting Wake this week because of what they did to me last week with the eight turnovers in the freaking third quarter complete, uh, whatever. Anyway, but I just, <laughs> like, like you're on the bench, boys. I, I can't trust you. But I do think that offensively, as long as they don't turn the ball over eight times, Wake Forest is going to be able to put up points against the NC State defense, which not a lot of teams have really been able to do consistently, but I think Wake can because they do have the quarterback advantage. But I also like, I know it was a very limited sample last week and what we saw when he came in against Virginia Tech, but I like this MJ Morris kid. I thought he was much better for NC State's offense than Jack Chambers was because he could actually present the threat of throwing the ball and he did an excellent job of that last week and it honestly makes me wonder why in the world Dave Doran was ever starting Jack Chambers over MJ Morris to begin with but alas here we are so Wake Forest's defense is not great I think that NC State with Morris will be able to move the ball on him and I think Wake is going to be able to move the ball on NC State so while it's not an official play I do think if I'm taking anything here I think the total is a little too low there we go man that's a good look right there all right our next game here we've got Texas Tech at seventh ranked TCU TCU is a nine and a half point favorite, a total of 69 and a half on the game. We've got two official plays on this. 
First, Micah Roberts. He is on TCU minus nine and a half. Second, our man, Chip Patterson, TCU minus nine and a half. What do you see, man? I think that Texas Tech, uh, things are a little bit dangerous. Things are a little bit, uh, a little bit rickety here. Now it's possible that they are going to continue to be as, uh, as my good friend Thomas said, just sort of a thorn in the side. in a lot of these teams, they haven't been blown out in some of these losses, but they have been beaten by 10. They've been beaten by 11. They've been beaten by a number that TCU certainly can cover. When we consider that we've got a road trip to Texas on deck, Baylor, Iowa state left, this is one of the last opportunities for TCU to get some real style points. Texas Tech got run all over by Baylor, and I do think that as we've seen this TCU offense uh, react to the way they're being defended with teams trying to take away the deep ball, teams trying to take away Quentin, Quentin Johnston, Contre Miller has stepped up and proven to be just as ex- – well, not just as explosive, but explosive enough to definitely respect and explosive enough to put points on the board. So with style points, with matchup, uh, with a lot of things in mind, I like TCU to win this game by double digits. All right. Now, I'll tell you what, Feder, uh, not an official play, but you lean TCU second half minus three and a half. What do you see out of that? Yeah, that was my pick last week, TCU second half. And TCU second half has been a wagon this year. It did come down to the last second, uh, what, Savion Williams, 29-yard catch on uh, fourth down, which helped it the minus one and a half hit last week. But they do need style points, and they've struggled a bit in the first half. West Virginia was leading for a little early in the game. TCU came back, and they poured it on late. I, TCU, late in the second half, they wear teams down, and then they need some style points. I, I feel like even if they're up – Seven and a half, they just keep on pouring in points. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, what we spoke about earlier, I mean, them in Michigan, they have all the reason in the world to try to score a 1,000 points. Yeah, completely agree. Now, on the other side, and not an official play, but for Nelly, you lean Texas Tech plus nine and a half. What do you see? Uh, I like Texas Tech because, as Chip mentioned, Texas Tech is the pain in the butt team in the Big 12 this year. It's like they're not a good team, and you're probably going to beat them, but it's not going to be easy, and they're going to hang around and annoy you while you're doing it. But on the other side, too, like, Chip, you mentioned that Texas Tech hasn't been blown out. They were blown out last week by Baylor. That game got sideways and went Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. But more than that, if you do look at their losses, they've all been close. But on the other side, TCU doesn't blow anybody out either. As good as TCU is, they had the 31-point win over Oklahoma, and they were up 17 when Dylan Gabriel got hurt. So, you know, you could say that would have been a blowout. But SMU, they beat by eight. Kansas, with its backup quarterback playing the second half, they beat by seven. Oklahoma State, with a clearly injured Spencer Sanders, they beat by three. Kansas State, that was down to its third-string QB for a while, they beat by 10. Last week, on the road, at a bad West Virginia team, they won by 10, and as... Fetch said they needed that late, late touchdown that in the last few closing seconds to get the second half spread and also get the over, which I greatly appreciated because that's where we were. But this is a team that's defense does not allow them to pull away. Now, I think they should be ranked higher in the college football playoff rankings based on their resume. The committee clearly thinks that their defense, they're not a complete enough team to deserve being ranked that high. And they're right. They're not a complete team. Their defense is terrible. That makes it really difficult for me to trust this team to cover nearly 10 points against anybody. Yep. Totally get it. Another thing with Texas Tech I want to add is they have three different quarterbacks, and you don't know who's going to play and when. Morton has been starting the last couple of games, but I know their coach has talked about playing all three at one point. Shelf could play. Donovan Smith could play. So you don't – I don't really know how TCU is going to prepare for all three quarterbacks in this game. So they might do some trick plays here. Yeah, they all three throw interceptions. They all three do throw interceptions. <laughs> they do turn the ball over. for that. Just put, your, yeah, just put your secondary on the jugs machine this week. There you go. <laughs> all right, uh, our next game here. We got fourth-ranked Clemson, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, on the road at Notre Dame, a total of 44. We have one official play in this game, courtesy of Chip here. You like the under 44, man. What do you see? Yeah, uh, Marcus Freeman, I think, is going to coach this game not to lose and not to lose big. He laid out the playbook in the season opener against Ohio State where that final total would be under this number. And I think that they're going to lean on that Notre Dame defense. They're going to play field position. And conversely, I think that this Clemson approach is going to be to try to avoid the DJU turnover fest you know, to just run the ball, to willingly play field position, to not try and take a lot of risks. And so with Notre Dame doing everything it can to try to keep this to be a one-possession game late, 
And with Clemson not wanting to make any mistakes in a huge road environment, I think both of these teams end up playing very conservative, a low-scoring game, and, and we do end up under the total of 44. All right, now, throwing back over to you, Mr. Tom Fernelli there. You, not official play, but you lean the under 44 as well, man. What do you see? Yeah, a lot of what Chip just said I agree with. I think that Notre Dame, offensively, they've gotten better in recent weeks, but that still doesn't mean they're very good. And I think that going up against this Clemson team, like they're going to struggle to score points. Like last week, I looked at that matchup against Syracuse, and I thought Notre Dame would be successful because Syracuse's run defense was so awful that maybe Notre Dame would finally be able to run the ball. And they did to a certain degree, but that's not the case against Clemson. And on the flip side, I think DJU's caught a little too much flack for one bad game, considering how well he'd been playing for the entire season before that. But just knowing how Dabo gets in these kind of games and against a defense like this on the road, I think he's going to be conservative. As Chip said, I think Marcus Freeman is going to be conservative. So I do not see this one being the most exciting, high-scoring game of the weekend. So I think the under is the better play. Yeah, it makes sense. Now, Fetch, I'll throw it over to you. Uh, uh, not an official play, but you lean Clemson on the money line. And let me say, Micah doesn't have an official play either, but he leans Clemson three and a half. You lean Clemson money line, man. What do you say? I lean Clemson money line. I got it at minus 195. I don't trust minus three and a half because Notre Dame might play not to lose, like Chip and Tom said. I do think that DJU is going to run the ball a lot more here because he's not going to want to make a lot of mistakes, and I think that could play in Clemson's favor. Notre Dame seems to win, but they seem to win as road underdogs. But and they've lost at home. So I like Clemson in this spot here. All right, man. There we go. All right. Our next game here. 24th ranked Texas, a two and a half point favorite uh, on the road at Kansas State, who is 13th and the total of 54 and a half. We have two official plays on this one. Fernelli, I'll throw it over to you first. Over 54 and a half. Yeah, I mean, this is to me, this is going to be a much higher scoring game than that number. I've got this total being closer to 62. So that's an over a touchdown more. I just look at this one. Texas against Oklahoma State. Quinn Ewers struggled. Uh, there's some question about whether he had a hand injury and if that was impacting his throws. It's also windy that day. Maybe that was impacting his throws. I don't know. But Chip and I, we got we got some scoop, you know, some weather meteorological scoop from our friend Josh Pate last week when he was there for that game. He says, you know, it was really windy, but on the field, the wind didn't have an impact unless you were throwing it way up in the air. The ball wasn't being affected. So I think it might have been a hand injury more than anything. So I think coming off of a bye with his hand likely healed up, Texas's offense is going to be able to move the ball against the Kansas State defense that has proven you can get it in the air when it's played other teams with good passing attacks. And I think that's exactly what they're going to be facing here. And on the other side, we talked about it a little bit on cover three today. Like, is it going to be Adrian Martinez? Is it going to be Will Howard? If it's Will Howard, might that be better for Kansas state? Because they've been a little bit better balanced offensively with him in there because he's been a better passer than Adrian Martinez has been to this point. Texas's defense while good overall allows a lot of explosive plays in the run game. Deuce Vaughn, a very explosive running back. I just look at this one as being a very fun kind of back-and-forth game. Not like, you know, 52-49 to 49 kind of game, but I think both of these teams are going to get into the 30s, so give me the over. There we go. And you know what? I'll tell you what. You know it's good when Tom Fernelli's playing it over, and Chip's face as soon as we said it. I loved it there. Chip, you have an official play also on the over here. What do you say? Line too little. Oh, yeah, this line's way too little. I like what Tom said, something like 60, 62, 61 and a half. You would have at least made me think. You would have at least made me break out the calculator. Because I'll tell you what, when we look at both these profiles, they each have one outlier already on the board on their profile that you need to throw out. And it's Iowa State. Because when you play against <laughs> Iowa State, you are not playing your game or even a regular Big 12 game. You are playing a unique outlier across anything else kansas state 10 iowa state 9 texas 24 iowa state 21 the totals in all the rest of the games that both of these teams have played against the rest of their big 12 opponents are all up there in the high 50s in the 60s even into the 70s and so you throw out that iowa state game you rerun the chipolytics and this thing is definitely going over the chipolytics. I love it, man. Now, Fett, you also, uh, not official play, but you lean over 54 and a half. Any thoughts that you have that those guys didn't cover? Yeah, I like how Tom said that if Will Howard plays, we probably like the over a little bit better. 
in our model, if Adrian Martinez plays, we have the total coming at 59, which is still a good value on the over. But if Will Howard plays, we have it at 62, which is exactly what Tom said. And Sark's game planning and his game management has been a little questionable at times. Instead of running the ball, they've just, like Quinn Ewers, throw it out, throw air the ball out like 60 times a game. And that plays well into the over, even though it doesn't play well into Texas' hands. Just give Robinson the ball 50 times a game, and you'll probably win more games. But it plays well into the over. I like the over here. There we go. And I'll tell you what, I need as many chip alytics as possible. In just in life. Not even just football. Do you want that many chipolytics? Absolutely. You know what? I want to get crazy. I think I do. All right. Uh, our second to final game here. All right. We've got sixth ranked Alabama, 13 and a half point favorite at LSU, who is ranked 10th, a total of 58. We only have one official play on this. Micah is on LSU plus 13 and a half. However, Chip, Fetner, you both lean LSU with the points as well. Chip, start it. Fet, finish it off. What do you guys see? Uh, Alabama on the road. You know, it has been pretty much since the start of last year. Alabama and true road games, more often than not, we see them play just about a click off. You know, sometimes it's with the communication at the line of scrimmage where we see the pre-snap penalties, the procedural penalties. Sometimes it's with mistakes, even in special teams. You know, this is just a group that, you know, in the last two years has been carried by Bryce Young in some of these true road games, even in games that they've lost, like the one at Tennessee, Bryce Young was doing everything he could, like 450-some-odd yards passing against Tennessee's defense just to give Alabama a chance. And now we've got Alabama in a true road environment, and 13.5 points is too many daggum points for, for me to suggest anyone lay. Not an official play, but the, the recent trend of Alabama in true road games has me going with LSU. If you look at the game logs of Alabama versus LSU and Ben Rouge, they're either really close or Alabama blows them out. Uh, Alabama has held LSU scoreless two of the last three games in Ben Rouge. I think LSU players are going to be mad. I think they keep it close. I think 13 and a half is a little too many here. I do have a player prop in this game. Give me Jameer Gibbs over 36 and a half receiving yards. In every big game, he seems to get a ton of targets. I think I, I really like the over there. Our model has him at 53. All right, well, speaking of the over, uh, not official play, but Fornelli, you lean on the over. 58, what do you see, man? Yeah, I think, you know, when you think of Alabama, LSU, and the games that they've played over the last 15 years, it, you think of two really good defensive teams more often than not. I don't. I think this year, like, both of these teams have better offenses than they do defenses. I think that Alabama, we saw it against Tennessee. Their defense was not able to stop the balls. They had to outscore them, and in the end, they couldn't score enough points. And I think LSU defensively, it's got some weaknesses. I think also special teams-wise, they've been horrible. They have gifted teams, free possessions, and amazing field position. And I can it see that. Tennessee the entire game. <laughs> yeah, like that game was over within five minutes because they couldn't catch a punt, and they were it, it was just terrible. So I could see them gifting Alabama short fields, which is why I'm a little scared to take them against the spread. But if they gift Alabama short fields, well, that's going to leave Alabama into scoring position. So I look at this matchup, and I just think that – Total's a little too low. I think this is going to be a fun game and a high-scoring game, and I think Alabama can exploit LSU defensively, and I think LSU, Alabama, you know, the secondary, as we saw against Tennessee, not quite where we usually see an Alabama secondary, and Alabama's defensive line, not quite what we think of when we typically think of an Alabama defensive line. So I don't know. I just think this is going to be a higher-scoring game than we're used to seeing from these two. Yeah, I feel you on that, man, 100%, for sure. All right. of, so I was yeah. one thing. Speaking of LSU's special teams miscues, I just want to say this reminds me of when South Carolina was so bad at special teams, Steve Spurrier was so fed up, he put Hayden Hurst to return punts because mm -hmm. everyone was muffing punts. Maybe they should put Mason Taylor in there to return punts just to make sure someone catches it and just gets immediately tackled or doesn't muff a punt here. In 2020, Illinois had its kicker returning punts and by returning <laughs> punts i mean just fair catching because he could catch it and nobody else on the team seemed to be able to dude you know that dude threw that arm up as soon as the ball left the foot he was yep yep dude that's hilarious man all right last game here first ranked tennessee which sounds insane to say at third ranked georgia all right georgia an eight and a half point favorite however this line is moving a lot and I'm going to explain what I mean by that here in just one second. A total of 66. So we have two official plays on this, all right? So Micah sends in and says, if 
if when you can get Georgia minus eight, do it. Chip, Tennessee plus eight and a half. So, Chip, break that down, man. What do you got? What was Micah's record last week? Uh, <laughs> two and six. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, balls. Listen, this is what you do when faced with this opportunity. This team is too much fun. This offense is too explosive. They are on a white hot roll. And look, I am not on board with the, you know, like, here's all the reasons why Tennessee is like the LSU team in 2019, because you're, you're going after the wrong things. You're trying to throw stats in my face. And those are just going to come up to LSU because LSU is one of the best teams of our lifetime. But you know what Tennessee is giving me an LSU 2019 feels for? It's just the vibes. Just the way that they have caught fire, the confidence that they are playing with. The team that I saw absolutely pick Kentucky apart is so much better than the team that had to go to overtime against Pitt. They have the talent. They are getting better. Their defense is playing with confidence. And I would even point out that that LSU team took until later in the year when it finally rounded into full form. So, no, I don't think that Tennessee is going to be like the LSU team of 2019 in terms of being one of the best teams in college football history. But yes, I do believe they are all just on one of those roles where if you're going to give me more than a touchdown and then I'm, I'm going to take all those points. Yeah. I feel you on that. You know, first off the comparison, it, it it's not fair to, to anybody. Cause you're right. I mean, that legitimately might've been the greatest team that we'll ever see. Who knows? Like, I mean, it, it was that level, but you're right on the vibes, man. Like this team plays for each other. Uh, Josh Heupel, like he never gets too high, never gets too low, stays right there in the middle. Same thing with Hendon Hooker, which is also weird to think that Hendon Hooker and A.J. Brown are the same age. That's crazy to think about. The combination of the quarterback's age, I think, are higher than the combination of the starting quarterbacks of like half of the NFL slate for this Sunday. (laughs) I love it, man. I love it. All right. Uh, Tom and Fetner, both of you, not official plays, but you both lean the same way. Tennessee plus eight and a half. So for Nelly, start it. Bettner following him up. Yeah, the way I see this going, you know, it's if you play it out, I feel like if Georgia wins, it's going to win because it's going to play its style. It is going to run the ball as effectively as it can. It is going to limit possessions to keep that Tennessee offense off the field. And it's going to use its defense to slow it down and maybe see if you can beat it in the red zone, not allow anything big over the top like we've seen Jalen Hyatt do time and time again. If Tennessee wins, I feel like it's going to be because Georgia can't stop its offense. And if that's the case, I don't think Georgia has enough offensively to keep pace with Tennessee. So either way, no matter who wins, I see Georgia either winning small or Tennessee winning big. Either way, that means Tennessee's covering. So it's not a lock for me. It is not something I'm, I'm making an official play. But just my read of this game tells me I would rather have Tennessee in the points than anything else. Yeah, you know, I feel you on that. And and what, you know, what Chip was saying, going back to exactly what you just said, dude, this Tennessee team is lo- just night and day different from that pit game from the start of the season. The defense has gotten so much better. Go look at their run stats. They do not let running backs run the football on them at all. Now, I will give you one thing. What they do is running backs will have a first series that's generally pretty good. Every single team does that, but they figure it out, man. And they put the clamps down. Their defense plays better than people give them credit for. That show now, Georgia's a different thing too. Like Georgia's led by those big tight ends too, man. So like it's it's wild. But for Fernelli, I completely agree with how you broke it down. That show, you lean the same way. Tennessee eight and a half. What do you see? So I've been out of college for two and a half years, and Stetson Bennett is a month or two months older than me, and Hendon Hooker is two weeks younger than me. So it's very interesting <laughs> game here. Uh, so I watched every play between Florida and Tennessee and Florida and Georgia's past weekend, unfortunately. And honestly, even though the Gators played Tennessee a lot closer than they played Georgia, Tennessee was a little more impressive just in, in out of both of those games. Georgia was a little sloppy in that game on Saturday in this uh, in the world's largest cocktail party. I know we're not allowed to say that anymore, but on this show we do. <laughs> on this show we can. On this show we can. But Georgia was a little sloppy. There's some a lot of drops and one of them resulted in an interception Georgia. I mean, Georgia should have beat the Gators by 50, but Georgia's defense is legit. As someone just mentioned in the comments, but I think Tennessee keeps this close. And they, they have the swag. They do have the swag. I like Tennessee to keep it close. They certainly have an energy, man. They certainly have yep. an energy about them for sure. All right. Speaking of energy, everybody grab your paper, grab your pencil. Take a little recap here. 
It does look glorious. Tom Fernelli is on Texas, Kansas State over 54 and a half. Oregon State, Washington under 55. Army Air Force under 40. Michigan minus 26 and a half. Boise State minus seven and a half. Fet show. Ohio State team total over 49 and a half. Duke team total over 28 and a half. Air Force team total under 23 and a half. North Carolina minus seven and a half. Chip Patterson is on Tennessee plus eight and a half. Texas, Kansas State over 54 and a half. Clemson, Notre Dame under 44. Cincinnati Navy under 46 and a half. Michigan State team total under 13 and a half. Pitt minus three and a half and TCU minus nine and a half. Michael Roberts is on Mississippi State minus 12 and a half. Purdue minus four and a half. Wake Forest minus four and a half. TCU minus nine and a half. LSU plus 13 and a half and Georgia minus eight. All right. So as we always do and end each show, first off, thank you all for joining us every single week, man. Like I know how busy that you guys are. So it means a lot to me and everyone in the early edge crew that you guys have the time to make out and carve out for us. So got to pay it back, man. All right. So Tom Fernelli, start off with you, man. What do we need to pay attention to of what you got coming up this week? Podcast shows, everything we need to subscribe to. What do you got? Uh, Chip and I will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern on the Cover 3 podcast YouTube channel, giving out our top locks for the week. A lot of what you heard today, but, you know, maybe some games we didn't discuss as well. You can hear us four times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, 11 a.m. Eastern. Now we've added the Tuesday reaction show to the college football playoff rankings. It's about 720-ish Eastern. We've got our Saturday night reaction show to what we just watched the entire day before at about 1130 Eastern usually. And, uh, yeah, when I'm not talking into a microphone on camera on the Internet, I'm writing a lot of words, which you can also read at CBSSports.com. I love it, man. I thought you were going to say you're writing pen pals. That would have gotten me excited as well. Uh, no, dude, I, I got to say this. Like, for real, you guys' immediate reaction shows are phenomenal. Like, anybody out there who hasn't done it, watched it, dude, it's the perfect way to end not only a day, of college football, but now that you've got the college football playoff as well, like the instant reaction, I'm telling you, man, it's fantastic. These guys are funny, serious, great, like all of it, man. Like it's it's a fantastic show, man, for sure. Chip, follow it up, buddy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, all the <clears throat> all those shows that Tom mentioned for the Cover Three podcast. Uh, also, Early Edge on the Morning Edition, 10 a.m. on Friday. And look, like it, it if we weren't like laughing and having fun, then we're taking this too seriously. This is like, <laughs> yeah. we are. We are talking about a sport that we love, so we should let that love shine through. So, of course, we love doing this. Let your love shine through. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, river yeah. in the sky keeps on going. <laughs> Dude, I was just about to say, I was like, hit me with that. All right, now, Fett, usually we do your recap at the beginning of the shows. However, let's make it special here really quickly. World Series, game four tonight. I just heard your picks on our Spaces show a couple hours ago. What are you looking at tonight? Yeah, I'm on the first five over three and a half. I just love that play. So these teams have been scoring early, and then the bullpens have been settling in, and bullpens have been dominant in this series. So I like the first five over, and then Moose likes it as well. Moose is all over the first five over. He's all over the first five over. And alive under once the starters are out of the game. And then I do have – I want to give you some uh, college football prop bets. Chase Brown, whatever his over is, take it because Michigan State's defense is completely decimated. Moose likes it as well. I bet it. I was looking at prize picks as soon as it came out. Chase Brown over 23 and a half fantasy points. I think he has 200 yards, two touchdowns. I think he gets that easily. There we go, man. There we go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back live next week, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday to break down what we saw from week 10 and give our best bets for week 11. But until then, everybody, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.